Hello there. We are back with another podcast presented by the Division of Student Affairs, and we are glad you're with us. I'm your host, Matt Lupica, staff writer for the Division. Today is a very special episode. We are introducing you to the new areas that have joined the Division of Student Affairs umbrella a few months ago. Needless to say, it's been a pretty productive summer here. And with that, we are delighted to feature four guests on today's program. The Director of the Center for Sexual and Relationship Violence Support Services, Jenny O'Connell. The Director of the Women's Center, Cassie Peg Kirby. The Director of the Student Multicultural Center, Mike Daniels. And the Director of the LGBTQ Plus Center, Ken Detlefson. Welcome, everybody. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Dean of Students, Talia Drummer-Farrell. Hi there. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. You know, as we wrap up this first season, we've come a long way and it's only going to get more exciting in this one, don't you think? Oh, I agree. I think we couldn't have picked a better group to be our season finale. I agree. Now, as a side note, as was the case in the previous Parent and Family podcast, both Talia and I will be asking a question which will be answered by each one of our guests. So let's kick this thing off in a fun kind of way. How about formally introducing yourself to our listeners Tell us a little bit about the area you work in and a fun fact about yourself and your department. How about getting us started there, Jenny? Hi, everyone. As Matt said, you know, my name is Jenny. I use she, her pronouns, and I've been at Kent State for about eight years. Um, I work in the Center for Sexual and Relationship Violence Support Services, or you'll hear people say SERVS, spelled S-R-V-S-S, as it's much shorter and easier to remember. Um, and it serves, we focus on four areas. Uh, first and foremost, we're here as a support resource for anyone who's been impacted by sexual and relationship violence. It doesn't matter when, where, by whom. Uh, we often say that serves is a great place to start because uh, we can help someone process through their options and determine what their needs are and the next best steps for them. Uh, we're also responsible for the education of our students around this topic. We coordinate the incoming student education. It goes out in August or in at the beginning of each semester, uh, as well as our bystander action initiative uh, to educate our community on how to safely intervene if we see something concerning. And then finally, we do a lot to promote awareness and provide professional development for staff around staff and faculty around creating a culture of care. Um, doing this work on a college campus has really been a lifelong calling for me. Um, but a fun fact about me is that if I was given the opportunity, I would go to clown college as I've always wanted to be a clown. <laughs> and a fun fact about SERVS is that we are the newest of the four centers today, um, having only been around since 2013. Uh, but in that short time, we've made a huge impact on our community. Well, that all sounds great, including the one about going to clown college. I think that's very interesting. And, and those are the things that people love to hear, that side of people. How about you, Cassie? Well, how do I follow that? I don't have clown college in my back pocket here. So. <laughs> um, but she does make fabulous balloon animals. I've seen it, so I know. Um, my name is Cassie Peg Kirby, and I use she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I'm the director of the Women's Center. And I've been at the university for about 20 years working in academic advising. I was a dispatcher for the Kent State Police Department. I started at the admissions office. So I am sort of a lifer at, at Kent State as well as um, living in the community right here in Kent for the past 20 years. Um, sometimes people question like the Women's Center, but wait, we're overrepresented with women on campus. Uh, why, why do we have a Women's Center? And so I think it's thinking about not just the representation, but are women represented in places where decisions and money is being made? Um, 
also considering even though we're overrepresented, women are still underserved when you think about things like pay equity, um, you know, for every dollar a man makes, women are still across the board, not just at Kent State, but other, you know, in the, in the um, all over are making um, less. And in Ohio, I believe it's 79 cents to the dollar with um, black women and Latino women making significantly less. And so that does impact our experiences um, and opportunities. And so the Women's Center, really works on creating an equitable experience, opportunities, access to resources um, for everyone. And so that's sort of the focus of, of how we do what we do. And we do that through a framework of care, connect, challenge, and celebrate. Um, in terms of a fun fact about me, people always find it interesting that while being the director of the Women's Center and very focused on issues that impact women, I'm also the mother of four boys. So I have a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and an eight-year-old. So you can imagine working remotely has been quite an interesting experience for me. Um, having all of the, the boys in my space and longing for uh, the opportunity to get back to some of the work we do at the Women's Center. I love those kids, but it's a whole different experience. Well, they've been quiet so far, so keep giving them those treats that you have. And, uh, <laughs> That's what makes me nervous, though, Matt. Like, when they're quiet, <laughs> what exactly are they up to? So, let's yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about you, Mike? Yeah. So, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike Daniels. I use he, him, his pronouns. I have the pleasure of serving as the Student Multicultural Center Director. I've been here for about five years. Um, the Student Multicultural Center, we primarily work with our students of color um, at Kent State. Those students are African-American, Latinx, Native American, and multiracial students. However, we do offer services to the broader Kent State community through training and education. Um, our biggest goal is to make sure that our, our students are supported from the time they enter into college and start their journey here at Kent all the way until they walk across the stage at graduation. So we do that through a lot of different ways, uh, programs and initiatives that we've been, you know, working with for, you know, some of our initiatives are 20, 30 years old. Um, one of the fun facts about the Student Multicultural Center is that we are one of the oldest uh, multicultural centers in the nation. Uh, we've been here for over 50 years. Um, and, you know, that's something that we are excited about and proud of because we've been able to build such a, an awesome community here at Kent State and a lot of folks are familiar with our programs and services to our students. Um, and it kind of provides a legacy for students to, to refer others to come to Kent and look forward to the services that we offer, whether it be through Capita Transiciones or our Academic Stars program when they first start college all the way to Karama, which is our, our pre-commencement celebration. So, um, so that's some things that uh, we're, we're doing here at Kent State. Um, and a fun fact about me is that me and the Kent State mascot, Flash, are really great friends. I like to hang out with Flash. Comes down to the SMC about two, three times a week. Uh, sometimes I'll grab lunch with Flash in the hub um, and, you know, just really like to hang out and see Flash around campus, get really excited to see Flash as a, you know, our Kent State mascot. Well, I'd love to see how Flash eats. So maybe I'll have to join you guys. 
<laughs> yeah, normally it's just Flash walking through the hub, Matt. It's not really him sitting down to have a meal. It's just me waving and getting excited about it. So we'll have to make sure Flash and I uh, sit down and actually grab a meal, and then we can figure out exactly how he Thank you very much, Mike. How about you, Ken? What do you got? Hey, everyone. My name is Ken Detlefson. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the director of Kent State's LGBTQ Plus Center. I've been there for six years, and the, the best job, the most amazing job I could ever imagine. Um, some of our roles um, on campus is we do a lot of training. We have a safe space training, a trans 101 training. We do a lot of programming such as like our roundtable discussions where our interns present and then try to have meaningful dialogue with our guests. We do advocacy to continue to make Kent the most inclusive place on, in Ohio and in our country so that we're supporting our LGBT students as best as possible. Um, I just wanna make it clear though that our center isn't just for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer students. We're here for everyone on our campus and really uh, we like to say that if you believe in equality, we want you to get involved and, and utilize our space. So I encourage everyone to stop by and visit us. We're in the lower level of the student center. Uh, fun fact about me, I've been together with my husband for 20 years and we live in Akron with our two dogs. And then a fun fact of the center, I'm sticking with anniversary stuff. Our centers uh, celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, celebrating with our students, faculty and uh, staff as we uh, return to campus. We're putting our plans together as we speak. So that's a little bit about us and our center. That sounds great and congratulations on the 10 years. I mean, I'm sure it flies by, doesn't it? Sure has, that's for sure. Right. Now, one thing you all have in common is the fact that each one of your areas are closely connected to our great students. Now, you may have heard of this thing, the little thing called the coronavirus pandemic, which interrupted that kind of intimacy. So what are some ways you have stayed connected with students during this seemingly once every 100 years quarantine period? I'm going to start with you, Cassie. Sure, that's a great question. Um, the, the pandemic has impacted so much of our lives, uh, all the unknowns changes happening daily. Um, so much of who we are and what we do at the Women's Center is about building community and connection. So it really forced us to rethink how we do what we do and how we could do it in this, this new format. Because I think you'll hear sort of resonate with all the centers. There's not a whole lot that could get in our way of, of doing what we do. And so it's just a matter of sort of shifting how we could accomplish um, what we set out to do. So what I think is there was actually an incredible upside um, to this. You know, we did things like individual um, appointments, collaborated to continue to offer a pantry. We did weekly intern meetings, uh, virtual book clubs. But, you know, when we no longer had to, to think about how people were going to make it over to the center or fit it in with the schedule of the rest of their lives, they just had to hop on their computer from wherever they were and they could connect. Um, I also think people, although sort of challenged and struggling, also showed up in a different way with a lot of hope and resilience and a, um, maybe a greater sense of what it means to be a part of community. So much of this pandemic has sort of shifted our, our vantage point from what makes a difference for me to what I'm doing has an impact on the people around me. So in terms of building community and resilience and, um, you know, 
know, moving forward in the face of challenges. I really think this has um, been a struggle, but it also has created new opportunities. So we look forward to how we can continue to utilize the things that we've learned through this as we sort of readjust to what this new normal may look like. And you bring up a great point there, having to think outside the box, if you will. Everybody's had to do that, and uh, it seems to have worked so far. How about you, Mike? Yeah, so I think, you know, Matt, you make a really good point of just thinking outside the box. And I think all of our centers have had, you know, conversations about how to best reach our students because this was just a complete unique situation and it did offer us a lot of, you know, ways to get creative. So one of the things we were really excited about is um, we have Karamu Yawahitimu Celebracion de los Graduados Ceremony. Um, every fall and spring. Well, we were able to have it in the fall of 2019. And, you know, I guess it was, you know, kind of record-breaking numbers as, as families kind of rolled into the ballroom. So it got everybody really excited about the spring ceremony um, to, to come into, you know, the past few years. It's just been growing and growing. And then come March, that kind of got shut down. So um, we had to be creative because we still wanted to celebrate our graduates, right? We still wanted to find a way to make sure that these graduates who've worked so hard to walk across that stage had an opportunity to be celebrated properly um, and their families to join in on that celebration. So we were able to host a you know, virtual Karamu ceremony. Um, we had students send in their comments like they would normally send them in and photos like they would normally send those in. Um, but we were able to get you know, campus partners, um, folks from DSA and the other centers that are here um, and even people that, you know, advisors and faculty members that could wish the students well on their journey um, as they graduated from Kent State. And that was really exciting. So um, we're, we're really excited to be able to, to have that video and it lives on our website now and on YouTube so folks can see that. Um, but other than that, we really just, you know, wanted to connect with students on a more personal level. So um, we've done the traditional formats of the newsletters and emails and tried to host some of the virtual kind of hangouts and realize that our students just want to be connected with, you know, on that personal level. So we've been, you know, sending them the text messages, making the phone calls. We're really active on social media. So, you know, every once in a while, we'll just jump on there and kind of, you know, comment on students' pictures when they're doing their different things and, you know, living in their, uh, you know, shelter in place and quarantine lifestyle. We like to make sure that they know the SMC is still here and, you know, we're still here if they need anything. So those are some of the ways that we just try to, to be more, um, you know, connecting in with our students to make sure that they know that we're here and just seeing how they're doing. And Mike, I did catch that ceremony and you talk about a community really coming together in the midst of everything going on that there's no greater example than that. And that just shows you how great Kent State is. Yes. Yeah, no, that was that was one of the best examples of just showing that cult the culture of care and Flashes taking care of flashes because, you know, I think everybody really recognized that this is a special ceremony and if no better time than now to really demonstrate how we can show up for our students. Couldn't agree more with that. How about you, Ken? Yeah, Cassie mentioned this earlier, and I think all of our centers are really all about this building community and forming connections and making sure students are finding their family away from home. And so our LGBT center is all about that too. Uh, some of our ways that we've been connecting with our students once COVID hit, we 
We did a lot of virtual programming. And we've got an amazing team of about 10 interns every semester, student uh, workers. Um, and they're really dedicated to making sure that they're also reaching out to our students and, and helping make those connections. So some of the things that we did is we had some Kahoot trivia games on pop, pop culture related to the LGBT community. Or with Pride Month in June, we had a, a Kahoot trivia around Pride themes. Uh, we do a film Friday every month uh, where we feature a different uh, film through a Netflix party. And then we uh, chat about that and, and talk about some of the stereotypes that are either fed into or not fed into related to LGBT communities. We facilitated uh, anti-racism action hour that all of our centers participated in. Uh, we had in, an intern named Robbie who did recipes with Robbie. We had another intern that did some craft projects. So we're really on our social media platforms and through uh, Teams and uh, Zoom trying to connect in with as often as possible with our students. And then lastly, um, we have office hours where students can um, easily schedule with us so that we can connect virtually too. We wanna make sure that we're providing educational material through our programming, but that we're also here to support any student that might be struggling um, or that might be you know, really needing some help with some resources. So we're here for all of that. I may need to get in contact with Robbie. I need to figure out something to make later for dinner. So maybe he's got something. That sounds really cool. Got some good stuff. Really good stuff. Awesome. And last but not least, how about you, Jenny? Yeah. So I think a lot of folks think of serves only when something happens, but we've been working really hard over the last year to really bring everybody to the table and show that this work takes everyone and it's not just, we're not just here for people who have experienced harm. We're here for the whole community. Um, we've been doing a lot to increase our reach on social media, to engage with students. We've got questions that people can survey and stuff they can answer on social media. Um, we've been holding a lot of virtual meetings and chats through Google Meets for those who are in need. Uh, we have an awesome student staff this summer that they've been working on our e-newsletter uh, that's been really trying to educate and reach the community. Uh, we're still holding virtual green dot overviews throughout the summer. Uh, when things first shut down, uh, it was right before Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April. Uh, so we had to really shift to some virtual programming. Uh, so we did a book discussion and a movie screening. Uh, and right now we're in the works of planning for October, which is Relationship Abuse Awareness Month. And we're going to have a mix of virtual and live events, including a Take Back the Night event and a virtual clothesline project. So we're really, again, like everyone's saying, thinking outside the box of how do we connect with students and how do we raise awareness and educate our community. Well, this is all great to hear. I know our students really appreciate all of your engagement. I mean, the creativity, access to our students, the personal connection, and continuing to build and enhance the sense of community and family is greatly appreciated, not only by our students, but all of us as well. So to recap, you're listening to a podcast from the Division of Student Affairs, highlighting our new to the division departments. Our guests today include the director for the Center for Sexual Relationship Violence Support Services, Jenny O'Connell, the director of the Women's Center, Cassie Peg Kirby, the director of the Student Multicultural Center, Mike Daniels, and the director of the LGBTQ Plus Center, Ken Ditlison. So now being new to the Division of Student Affairs, what are some things that you are most excited about as you and your area transitions into this new chapter of your areas within the Division for Student Affairs. So Mike, I'll kick it off to you. 
Yeah, so I think um, we're really just excited that this chapter has started because honestly, I've always felt connected to student affairs and I think um, our department has always felt connected to student affairs because we've done so many collaborative things with the division uh, in the past. So this, you know, making it official in this sense was um, a really exciting time. Um, one of the things that I, I think we're probably most excited about is the Division of Student Affairs has done a really awesome job of creating a platform where all the programs and initiatives and events that they do are um, well promoted. Students know about them. There's some, you know, traditional things that are done from the beginning of the year, such as, you know, like Black Squirrel Fest and Blast Off or um, just, you know, things that are done through resident services that people just look forward to. Um, I think that is something that we look forward to now because um, now we have more of kind of this, this natural promotion and natural buzz around what it is that we're doing since all of our centers work so closely with students. I think where we were situated before, I don't think folks always thought about our areas and yeah. our work is connecting with students. Um, you know, I think it's just one of those things that um, organizational structures just don't allow for it to happen that way. And now we can really find ourselves, you know, partnering in, in a little bit more of a natural way um, and, you know, promoting our events to students in a bit of a more natural way. So, um, you know, I think that's something that I'm really looking forward to for the center and now just being able to hang out with my colleagues probably a lot more often and more frequently because, um, you know, not only are we getting together on committees, but, you know, our, our offices are working together a lot more frequently. So that's exciting. Yes, yeah, great. It feels like a very seamless transition for sure. Yeah. So, uh, Ken, what about you? I'm looking forward to working with you more, Dr. D. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, it was great working with you when you were over at the Multicultural Center. But I really respect you and also Dr. Hilton. And I think that Student Affairs just has awesome leadership that's looking at innovative approaches to making sure our students are always looked at first. Mm -hmm. um, more specifically, I'm really looking at um, stronger connections within the division. We've always collaborated, kind of like Mike said, with um, resident services, with DeWeese Health Center, yeah. but I feel like we're going to be able to do so much more uh, collaboration and for those to be stronger and more coordinated, um, not just those departments, but Student Accessibility Services, the Center for Adult and Veteran Services, uh, Center for Student Involvement. There's so many great resources in the Division of Student Affairs, and I think that we're just going to be more aligned and um, hopefully working stronger together. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Ken. That means a lot. That really does. Uh, Jenny, how about you? Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to all the opportunities that we'll have to partner with all the different student support areas of DSA. Mm -hmm. um, really reaching students in a more natural way, uh, you know, embedding our messages around bystander action and care throughout the university. And we want to continue to build collaborations with Fraternity and Sorority Life, Center for Student Involvement, increasing our connections through the resident through resident services, maybe finding new opportunities through rec services, Kent State of Wellness, Health Promotions, many others. Um, our center's vision is really a university community where everyone can work, learn, and live free from harm. And we know that it's about that culture of care where flashes take care of flashes, and it's ultimately going to take everyone to achieve that goal.
Yeah, it's definitely not just on the Center for Serves, right? It's all of us. Uh, Cassie, why don't you round this question out for us? This is so hard. I'm wanting to give like snap shout outs to my colleagues when they're saying things. Um, <laughs> but I'm doing my best to, to keep this quiet and clean. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the Women's Center has been a part of Kent State for the past 25 years. And part of that was us being housed in the Division of Student Affairs. So some mm -hmm. of it is sort of coming home. Um, you know, we loved being a part of the Division of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and I think all of us would agree that they're, sort of, they're absolutely still our family, but moving over to the Division of Student Affairs, we, our family gets bigger. So it's not leaving the work and the relationships and the experiences we had behind, but we're getting, as everybody said, this opportunity to really grow and build, and all of our areas, you know, Ken mentioned that the, the LGBTQ plus center was not just for students who may identify in that area, but I think so many identities overlap and so many of our identities impact our experiences that mm -hmm. this is a great way to really showcase and highlight the work and the opportunities um, that we have through our centers across campus in ways that we may not have been able to do before and so I'm just I'm similar to what others have said excited about continuing collaborations and deepening and growing those more we've done study hours with parenting students with the Center for Student Involvement or um, the uh, CAVS office the Center for Adult and Veteran Services we have also you know elect her which was about women in politics was a really collaborative event with our undergraduate student government but now instead of reaching across divisions to make these things happen we're in the midst of it and so um, i'm just really excited about what that looks like moving into uh, this upcoming year and into the future yeah it is a homecoming because a, a couple of our areas used to be in the division for student affairs so it's nice to have you all back in this area and seeing how we can grow together so this next question might be a tough one and i'm actually i'm gonna tell all of you hold you accountable that you have to pick one and i know it might be hard to do so but can you pick one service program or initiative that you would like to highlight from your area um, maybe even a fan favorite of yours personally um, and then also explain how the folks tuning in, how they can learn more about not only your area, but some of the programs that you speak of. So Ken, why don't you take us off with this first one? Sure, it is hard to think of just one, but I'm gonna highlight our kickoff, our, our fall kickoff event that we hold annually. Every year we have this huge LGBTQ plus fall kickoff, usually in the ballroom where we'd have four to 500 students. Uh, this year it's going to look a lot different because of needing to be physically distant and having smaller group sizes. So mm. we're going to have a 100% virtual version that'll be um, on our uh, social media platforms for people to peruse whenever they're free and available to view those. And then we'll also have some small groups on Monday, August 24th and Tuesday the 25th where folks can sign up and register on the DKS app so that they can come and be part of this. It's really an exciting event where folks get um, information about resources on campus that can be a, a support to them. One of those resources being our LGBT emergency fund. So we always like to talk about that one in there so that students, if they ever fall into a financial crisis, they know they're not alone. They can turn to our center 
So we highlight those uh, types of resources. And then our other big goal is to help students make connections. So for the students that do sign up for our fall kickoff event in those small groups, they'll leave knowing eight or nine other students um, by the end of that event. It can be really scary when you come to college for the first time or even just returning on your second or third year. And so we like to have these events so that people can, right from the very beginning, get to know other people in the community and that they won't feel as alone. Kind of like I said earlier about building that family away from home. So that's the one that I'm the most excited about and it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, and the kickoff is such a high energy event. So how can students learn more? Like where do they get more information about that? Yeah, so um, as far as the kickoff event, they would find that on the DKS app. Mm -hmm. Or um, if they want to sign up for our listserv, you can just go to kent.edu backslash LGBTQ and sign up for our listserv. The listserv will include all of our upcoming programs. It also um, highlights when we're hiring as well as scholarships that are spe specific to the LGBT community. So I highly recommend checking out our listserv. And also we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So all those platforms, you can find out more information as well. Perfect. So Jenny, what's your one favorite, your one that you want to highlight? I, I'm going to highlight sort of all the ways that students can get involved with us, uh, because I think a lot of times it's not just a program or an event, it's an opportunity for students to take an active role in helping to create our university community that's free from harm. Um, so we have an internship program that students who have gone through it have just learned and grown so much. Um, they volunteer with serves to provide programs and promote our messaging, our Kent State Stands Up campaign, um, where everyone has a role to keeping our community safe. Um, we also have two student organizations that we work with throughout serves, uh, Students Against Sexual Assault, or SASA, and More Than a Body. Um, SASA is about students raising awareness and taking an active approach to prevention, while More Than a Body is more about self-care and acceptance for anyone who might have experienced any form of harm. Um, and you can get information about ways to get involved on our website, kent.edu slash serves has information about our internship program. Um, and then you can also learn about the student organizations through the KSU Engage site. Perfect. Okay. And then Cassie, what's your pick? Oh, Dr. G, you're keeping me to one. This is tough. <laughs> Um, I originally was going to go with one thing, but now hearing everyone talk, I, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, I think that the best thing to sort of showcase how we do what we do and the collaborations would be the Elect Her program that we do in February. And, you know, thinking as we roll into the environment, um, elections and politics and things around the front lines and how representation is important. And so the Elect Her program is about um, encouraging women and other marginalized groups to think about what it would look like to run for office and how you would do that. And so we've had, um, our past two years, we had, uh, this past year, we had Amelia Sykes, uh, Kent State alum uh, and representative, come and be our keynote speaker. And we collaborated on that event with uh, the May 4th Visitor Center. Uh, May 4th represents a lot of things, but it also represents student activism and student getting involved and um, and politics are in there too. And so that's important. Uh, was with the Center for Student Involvement and Undergraduate Student Government. Um, 
you know, uh, the League of Women Voters, political science, there's lots of folks, and I apologize if I miss any, but a lot of different groups that came together to put this on as an annual event. And we are excited to, to share that our undergraduate student government president, uh, Tierra Moore, is actually an elector graduate. So awesome. she is, I think, the only the second or third women woman president of um, undergraduate student government and um, and so we sort of honor her experiences and are excited to that she's been a part of our program so I just think it, it serves as an example that um, the work that we do is not done in isolation it's really about pulling people together and and leveraging experiences and opportunities and resources that will benefit our entire community so uh, to learn more about that I would just join our uh, listserv I think we all have newsletters that we send out so if you, you jump on and join that and you can do that by just emailing wc at kent.edu to sort of get in the loop about what's happening perfect yeah hopefully we can get to your connector back and talking to the next group of folks who are part of elector Yes, absolutely. She's been there both, you know, she's been there every year that we've done it. And so we're excited to, that she's had such success. And that's a, not just the program, that's obviously a lot about her and who she is and what she does, but we're excited to have her as a voice about the program as well. Absolutely. All right. And Mike, what's your pick? All right. So if I have to just pick one, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll go with um, one of our newer resources and services that we offer, which is um, our diversity training and education uh, resources. Um, I think the reason why I wanted to select this one, not only because it's newer and, and folks are still learning that this is something that the SMC offers as opposed to some of our longing standing programs and initiatives. The other reason is just because it's a way that everybody can get engaged in the SMC and really does break that stereotype of, you know, the SMC is only for insert whatever group of students, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is something that everybody can get engaged with no matter where they're at in their uh, cultural development journey. So, you know, we have, things as far as uh, the crash course in culture, which is more of kind of the introduction to the topic. Um, and then you have like discrimination station, which is more engaging and more involved um, all the way to, you know, our newest um, education workshop that we've developed, which is white identity development, where it allows for folks who, are, who don't identify as students of color or people of color to learn more about their racial identity, um, especially with everything that we have going on right now within our nation. Um, it's something that we felt like could really allow for people to find a common ground and um, really be able to connect around their racial identity development because um, a lot of research shows just being able to explore that part of your identity allows for you to have more empathy with others no matter how you identify. So we're really excited about that. Um, really excited to get people more connected into it and let folks know that that is a resource that the SMC has. Um, the best way to learn about all of these is it's on our website at www.kent.edu forward slash SMC, um, or folks can email us at student underscore multicultural underscore center at kent.edu uh, to learn more about these. Well, these are all great answers, and I got to tell you, I'm learning quite a bit from every one of you, and this is just very exciting. I want you to all look deep within your hearts right now with this question. What have you learned about yourself over the last three months and through these various transitions we've gone through. How about you, Jenny? 
Oh, so much. Um, <laughs> being at home all day and every day, I've really learned that I need to slow down and take time for myself. Before the shutdown, I was go, go, go. Every night I was taking kids to something, uh, swimming, gymnastics, dance. And while they were practicing, I was studying for classes. So, you know, it was just constant. Um, and I've realized that I'm not gonna be on top of my game as a parent, a student affairs professional, or an advocate for change if I'm not slowing down and finding time for myself. Almost like a built-in reality check, huh? Yeah, definitely. How about you, Cassie? Well, I think similarly, um, many of us have spent time at home, either you know, depending on where you sit with your parents or with your children. And so it, um, I think it's a Shakespeare quote or something like, um, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And so it's really forced me, something like that. So I apologize if I got it wrong. But the idea that um, there's so much right now that's out of our control. Um, and I think that's really difficult for many of us when we're you know, used to having sort of structure and organization and order and a plan of how we're gonna do things. And while we can pivot as new things come up, this is a whole new you know, environment. And so I think it's really made me realize what I can control is my perspective. So as I said, of, as the mom of four boys, I've been in the house with three teenagers. And while that could be like, oh my gosh, how to, you know, what does that look like? I also have had a chance to spend time with my kids in a way that I wouldn't have had it been a normal environment where they're all out and about all the time with other people. And so I think that reframe has been really important. Um, instead of sort of pining for the way things were or wishing that we could get back to normal, I think the reality is we have to embrace this new environment as an opportunity to think about what do we want this new space to look like and what are the priorities? And I'm finding it's more about, instead of the stuff that we accomplish, it's more about the relationships and the people and the importance of community and connection and making sure I take time to value and appreciate that. Absolutely. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely echo both what Jenny said in regards to, you know, self-care, um, and what Cassie said in regards to, you know, being able to, um, you know, keep things in perspective. Uh, but I also have realized that my capacity, our staff's capacity, it varies daily. Um, and even sometimes several times a day on what we think we can do, what we're actually able to do and being able to respect that and honor it. Um, and recognizing that we have to come up with creative solutions with whatever the, you know, this, these circumstances present whatever the resources are at the time um, and what we have the capacity to do. But it also takes a really strong support system to be able to make it through these times. I think we've known that probably as student affairs professionals to make sure that our students have a strong support system, um, but also us as colleagues to be able to lean on one another, to develop some of those solutions, uh, to find ways to connect in with students in creative ways. You know, Ken mentioned the Kahoot. Uh, trivia games that the LGBTQ plus center um, connected with students through. Um, they shared that as a resource to us. And that was one of the biggest hits in our newsletter for the SMC as well. So, you know, just being able to, to collaborate in those creative ways. Um, but also on a personal note, just, you know, as we miss our, you know, extended family and not being able to kind of get out and see them as much, I really recognized how 
valuable and meaningful the relationships that we've had with our students and our colleagues on campus and how they really become extended family members too because we miss them dearly. Like when I say like I was so excited to see a couple of students on campus as we kind of stacked her back on to campus and getting back to the you know normal way of connecting in. Man I was so excited Matt to see some of the students walking across the esplanade the other day. So um, you know I think that's something that you know I've been able to learn about myself and the, the SMC as well. And we were talking before the show, the students tend to bring that energy. And even if you just see a couple of them, it's, you're thinking about having everybody back on campus and it just makes it extremely exciting. You want to round us out now, Ken? Yeah, sure. Uh, going last though, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to probably use a lot of what Mike said, because for me, what I've learned during this time is that same you know, using our support network and really that's something we talk with our students about, you know, trying to encourage them to making sure that they're staying connected with their family and their friends. But that was something that I really had to take uh, to heart through this stressful time. And I have not talked to my mom this much as like that as far as back as I can ever remember. We've been like talking every couple of days where in the past it had been really stretched out further than that. But more importantly, the coworkers that I work with, the, the folks that are on this podcast, I've reached out to each of them, you know, to get ideas and to get support on how to get through this tough time. And then even further, uh, even reaching out for mental health resources that, you know, you can't um, be too proud to even look at those aspects in ourselves that might be a lack or a piece that we could get some help with. So right. for me, it's really just been, you know, trying to use all the support that we have on campus and also my friends and family. And then one example um, that Mike uh, kind of made me think of is, you know, we have these planning committees oftentimes for different events, like our Lavender graduation, that's similar to Karamu. Um, we had a big uh, virtual lab grad celebration to celebrate our fall graduates. But those um, ideas of how we celebrated those graduates, they all came together because of this planning me meeting and a group of 10 people that came around virtually and gave really good ideas. And so I love group work when it works well. And that was one um, instance that it really, really worked well. There were so many ideas that came out um, that wouldn't have been possible had it just been Katie, our assistant director and myself trying to come up with those ideas. So for me, that's what I've learned in this time is that we really need to lean on our support and access it as much as possible. So we're just about to wrap up another very informative and entertaining podcast. But before we do, um, I really do want to share that in my role prior to working um, in the Division for Student Affairs, I worked with the Division of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, as we mentioned. And I can honestly say it was such a pleasure to work with all of you. It is an honor to continue to work with you. And I am so thrilled that you all are here uh, for us to share in this space and this time together, but then also to support our students um, together as well. And be, as you all mentioned, very collaborative and intentional with our work. Um, so I just want to personally say thank you in advance for all of our abilities to connect with one another. 
And so because of that, we're like a family. Um, you've already shared how students can get connected, how parents, families can learn more. So to wrap us up with our last question, I'm just gonna call on you like we're in class. And if you could give me one word or phrase of how you feel as we are going into this new phase, new season, semester, this new chapter of our experience, not only as an institution, but as a society, um, what's that one word or phrase that you would give to our listeners going into that? So Mike, I'll start with you. I would say I'm amped. I'm, I'm all the way turned up. I'm, I'm sorry. You just, <laughs> you already knew, like, this is, this, that, that's just the feeling that the SMC has majority of the time, so. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All the way turned up. I like that, Mike. Yeah. Ken, what's your word or phrase? I'm just super excited, kind of like what Mike was saying, just seeing, seeing those students again. It's something I've really missed. So we're very excited to see our students. Awesome. Cassie? One word. You are really bringing the challenges today, Dr. D. So Hell yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm going to say open. Um, mm. I think I can't just do it in one word. I'm going to explain it, but <laughs> <laughs> open just because there's so many unknowns and I, as you've heard, I think um, from all of us, we're all learning in this space too. And so I think open to what this new world, new normal bring. Um, and so every day is a new day and I'm open to what that brings. And I think the Women's Center is the same way. Yeah, I believe it. And then Jenny, why don't you close this out? Yeah, and it's a good thing you put me last, being an introvert and an internal processor. <laughs> if I would have been first, that would have been not good. Um, coming up with my one word, I would say, well, two words, optimistic and hopeful. You know, ex optimistic for what's to come, hopeful that, you know, we'll get through this and, you know, be on the other side, but we'll all be better for it. And I'm going to give you one word, too, about this podcast, Amazing, because we've certainly learned a lot and it's been outstanding. I'd like to once again thank our guest, the director of the Center for Sexual and Relationship Violence Support Services, Jenny O'Connell, director of the Women's Center, Cassie Peg Kirby, director of the Student Multicultural Center, Mike Daniels, and the director of the LGBTQ Plus Center, Ken Detlipson. Thanks, everybody, for coming on this podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for future podcasts to be released from the Division of Student Affairs. You can also access previous podcasts on the Division of Student Affairs Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. And don't forget to follow the Division of Student Affairs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for important information. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast from the Division of Student Affairs. For my co-host, Dean of Students, Talia Drummer-Farrell, I'm Matt Lupica saying today's a good day to have a great day. <laughs>